Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Since the budget was released, we've been talking about green bonds and a multi ministry Singapore green plan with $30 million set aside over five years for initiatives to develop those charging stations for electric vehicles and other infrastructure. And we've had many investors on this show dive into the growing interest in Singapore to invest according to environmental, social and governance principles. In fact, last year, a total of 22 ESG-related funds were authorised by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Today, I'm spotlighting the Global Environment Fund. It's a fund that is open to retail investors here in Singapore, which aims to capture decarbonisation growth opportunities and sustainable returns. John Capetta is Head of Private Banking, Asia Advisor at 91. 91 is an independent global asset manager with more than 153 billion US dollars in assets. Good morning, John. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Michelle. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Can you share the the key principles that the fund is focused on? Uh, the, the key principles, obviously, is going to be, as you mentioned, it's investing in companies that are driving the low-carbon transition. And basically what we mean by low-carbon transition is decarbonization. And through our work, through our process, and what we see is that, you know, there's three main themes that the, the fund is going to take advantage of. And those themes are going to be renewable energy, electrification, as well as resource efficiency. All right. And tell me more about the companies held by the fund. Yeah. So this is what I think very interesting for investors. It's a high conviction global equity fund. And when I say high conviction at the moment, we have 24 underlying companies within the fund. And it's not your everyday widely held names that investors might think are part of the green solution or ESG. Mm-hmm. It's actually, you know, we look at the universe and we come up with companies that are not necessarily mainstream, and we think they're going to complement existing clients' portfolios but in terms of maybe what they don't have with regards to other investments that are concentrating on ESG or decarbonization. So with our work, we're able to look at the universe and if, give a little bit of an education here. The fund has a 98% active share. And just to briefly explain what that is, 98% of our underlying companies within the fund are not part of the index. So as you can see, clients are getting a truly diversified portfolio outside of probably the existing investments that they have elsewhere. John, I wonder if you can share with our listeners more about your screening methodology. How do you select these companies? I understand you have a proprietary screening methodology. Correct. We have a proprietary screening methodology. But more importantly, we're trying to weed out the universe in terms of we're looking for companies that at least 50% of their revenue are truly coming from the movement to decarbonization or climate change. And with that process, you know, that really helps us dwindle down the universe that starts around 700 companies. Mm -hmm. That takes it down to a more meaningful amount of companies that the portfolio managers and the portfolio management uh, research analysts can then spend a significant time in terms of the fundamental analysis, talking with these companies and engaging with these firms to see if it would be a part of you know, the, the underlying global environment fund. Because we think that we are holding 24 of the best 
companies globally who are truly dedicated to climate change and decarbonization. Well, can you share more about these companies that are driving low-carbon transition? Sure. So, you know, in terms of thematic breakdown, you know, if you look at the underlying themes of the portfolio, uh, about 22% is dedicated. Of course, there's always a lot of interest in electric vehicles, and the portfolio is about 20%. Uh, The other large one within the portfolio is water and land efficiency. But what's more important is what we find investors interested in is the regional breakdown. We're not just, you know, highly leveraged or highly allocated to U.S. listed companies. As a matter of fact, the United States only represents about 29% of the overall portfolio from regional. What gets them excited is the exposure that we have to emerging markets, which is about 26%, and the majority of that is invested in some of the Chinese companies. So from thematic breakdown, clean power, electric vehicles, water and land, and a truly global portfolio in terms of not relying on U.S.-listed reg- US companies, but truly uh, uh, delivering a global equity portfolio for, for clients. Some of those names that we hold are interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be names that the investors are going to be familiar with. You know, you look at what's going on within the electronic uh, electric vehicle space. We like electric vehicles, but we're more excited about the long-term investment opportunities for other uh, companies that are providing these materials or the, what's needed to manufacture electric vehicles. So you look at technology, materials, semiconductors, renewable energy, and some of those names that we're excited about is uh, Wuji Fi, which designs, manufactures, and sells battery production equipment. We have names like Ibadrola, which is, in, which is listed in Europe. Ibadrola is the number one wind producer in Europe, and it's the third largest in the U.S. And they are planning to install 150,000 EV charging points in Spain over the next five years. And another global technology company that mainly serves the auto industry uh, with deep capabilities in software development, automotive-grade in- industrialization, and systems integration. So just those three that I just named, investors probably don't recognize them from the top of their head. They have to do a little more research. But this is where we see the longer-term alpha opportunities for this trend going forward. All right. So investors have called for clarity on ESG fund labels. I wonder if you can help us understand what makes a company investable uh, to this fund. How do you avoid, um, you know, uh, allegations greenwashing. of greenwashing? Yes. Yeah. So obviously that's a very fair point. And, you know, greenwashing is something investors need to be mindful of. With the amount of money that's coming into these partic- uh, these particular asset classes, I think there's too many people trying to catch that wave. So as I mentioned, in terms of our screening and how we get down to our list of potential companies, obviously ESG is important along every process that we make. But more importantly, it's we just don't invest and forget about the company. We want to continue to engage with our portfolio of companies. And the companies that make it into our portfolio, Michelle, the portfolio management team, they, they meet with them four times a year. How are they doing on their initiatives? What's the process that they have in place? How are they doing with their carbon footprint? What are some of the concerns that they're, that they're running into? So we want to sort of engage and work with them to say, okay, you're on the right path. You know, this is some of the suggestions that we would do. And, of course, if we're not happy with the process that they're making or the, the moves that they're making to be, become a little bit more decarbonization or climate sensitive, we would have no issue out of the portfolio. Are, are there differentiating products within the fund for different shades of green, so to speak? Um, yeah, because if you look at you know the the current asset allocation outside of 
um, you know, the, the, the common sectors, of course, there's going to be, there's wind, there's solar, there's autonomous vehicle, there's smart grids, network. So, you know, we, we do try to give a diversified portfolio. And one of the concerns we run up to, Michelle, is mm-hmm. with 24 stocks, is it going to be have higher volatility? And since we launched the fund in 2019, early February 2019, I can proudly say that, as a matter of fact, our volatility has actually been lower than the market. And why is that so? Mm. Because the utility companies are also a significant part of decarbonization. And historically, in periods of volatility, utilities tend to have much lower volatility than the overall market. So the combination of having some high growth and as well as utilities and staples you know, has helped us deliver positive returns in up markets and actually lower volatility in down markets. So it, it's been a very nice combination. All right. Well, thanks for helping us understand the Global Environmental Fund. John, besides the Green Fund, are there other strategies that investors should be looking out for in 2021 to maximize um, their investments? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, as I was watching TV this morning, I saw that the U.S. 10 year is up to 1.3. So it seems like interest rates are certainly on the move um, with the amount of money that's being pumped into the system from fiscal and monetary across the world. You know, I think one concern that you have to sort of keep in the back of your mind as an investor is potential higher inflation as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a good way to offset that could be with natural resources or one opportunity for an allocation, a small allocation for a client's portfolio could be gold equities. We have the 91 Global Gold Fund, which is another high conviction product concentrating just on gold uh, producers. But there's also a need for stable and quality income. With interest rates on the rise, what is this kind of effect is going to have on their fixed income funds, which have been, you know, part and partial to everyone's investments over the 10, 15, past 10, 15 years. And we think a good conservative multi-asset fund that can allocate 25, 30% to equities, good quality equity growers, you know, we know equities tend to perform okay in periods of rising inflation, but you could still get attractive income from not just your equities, but hand select uh, across different areas of the fixed income market to deliver hopefully income and growth that, that investors desire. So what's most important to keep in mind when it comes to asset allocation in 2021, John? Um, it's, so it just seems like everything is all systems go right now. You know, you look at the amount of money that's flowing into, not to get technical, but the amount of money that's flowing into SPACs, uh, you know, just how markets are doing generally around the world. Uh, I took this sort of article last week from Bank America, Merrill Lynch, that last week was the highest inflow into global equities ever. So it just seems like everyone's getting sort of comfortable. And from an asset allocation point of view, this is my 30th year in the industry, Michelle. Mm-hmm. You know, you always have to try and expect for the unexpected. And there's no problem positioning your portfolio to take advantage of the growth. But you should always have a part of your portfolio that uh, you know can sort of help you when times do turn against you or the markets that can help you so have a little bit of an insurance policy whereas you know you can you can you know fight on another day or live another day and not necessarily take a substantial hit to your overall net worth or your portfolio so do our investors have to rethink the 60 percent in stock 40 percent in bonds breakdown uh potentially depending on their risk profile you know i I think you might have to sort of look elsewhere for other alternatives with when it comes to income Mm. You know, you know, numbers in terms of the amount of negative yielding debt that's out there. Mm-hmm. And when you start to when you start to reach or stretch or come out of your comfort zone because you see high income being offered, 
you know, you should take a step back and saying, why is the income here so much higher than maybe what the market is looking to give to me? So, yes, I would probably say, you know, depending on your risk reward, depending on where you are in your investment cycle, um, you might want to sit down with one of your representatives uh, that you're banking with and say, what's my best path going forward here and potentially look to adjust. Thanks for the insights, John. That's John Capetta, Head of Private Banking, Asia Advisor 91, telling us more about their Global Environment Fund. Right here on Money FM 89.3, Singapore's most influential radio station, I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.